Hey, it's Alan Carter. Here's what's on the podcast for today. We still have a shot at Christmas. New guidelines for Ontario testing centers and a TDSB mom's frustration. All of that is coming up. Let's get to it. New guidelines, but the same old plan remains. And that plan is make it up as we go along. Certainly that has got the feeling. That is the feeling that it has today as the province announces that no longer can you just go for a test. Don't, you know, yesterday we said go for a test for the last number of months. We said you want Premier Ford up there. You want a test? Go get a test. And now after several weeks of people lining up in crazy lineups, we have a change. We're going to dig into that today. There's those numbers, 409. Don't freak out about the numbers. Don't get too wigged out about the numbers. Here's the number that's the real concern. I keep pointing this out day after day. Here's your test number, 30,600. But more importantly, your pending number is 53,800. An incredible gap has now opened up between the tests that we are able to perform and those that are pending. And therefore, all of those people that have been in lines, in those long lines throughout the province for the past couple of days, they are all still waiting. And now, finally, some sanity and an announcement from the province of a change in the guidelines. Of course, Doug Ford is with his update right now. Let's just, what is Doug up? What's he saying? What's Doug saying right now? Restriction, things like national pharmacare, national child care. Premier yes. Legault, he said he's not interested in That's that. a question there. From, Are you interested in those programs, and, and well, how do you feel yeah, it looks about like Brian Lilly. Yeah, we're going to get back to that. We're going to get back to that. We're going to dig into what uh, Doug's got to say, because... You know, the thing with the Doug Ford press conferences, if you're a regular viewer like I am, don't miss it. I just can't. It's my favorite show. Uh, The prepared remarks are not nearly as entertaining, not nearly as entertaining as the Q&A. And often it's Randy Rath from CHCH, uh, uh, my former office mate when I was the Queens Park Bureau chief. I shared an office with Randy. You got to be kidding me. I know it was it was not easy. And Randy's got this way to just ask kind of softball-y questions to the premier, and it just sets Doug off and away he goes. I mean, recently this is a lot of the clips that you'll hear me play from Doug when Doug talks. Uh, it's in response to actual questions from Randy, like about the uh, car show where uh, the premier went just completely off. And, of course, what did he go off on yesterday? He went off on Health Canada, didn't he? Yeah. Uh, That is weak. Yeah, weak Health Canada. Where's our saliva testing? Where's our antigen testing? Where is it? Don't look at me, says the Premier, when he talks about the giant lines, when asked about the giant lines. We're doing a great job! Here are these uh, effective immediately new guidelines. As I say, same old plan. Effective immediately, Ontarians should only seek testing at assessment centers if you are showing a symptom, have been exposed to a confirmed case, is informed by public health or the COVID alert app, a resident or work in a setting 
that has a COVID outbreak as identified and informed by public health and eligible for testing as part of a targeted testing initiative by the Ministry of Health or the Ministry of Long-Term Care. In other words, unless you have been directed to be here in this lineup for a test, sir, you can go home. You don't need to be here because, as we heard from the Prime Minister, as we heard from the Prime Minister in that nationally televised address, you can go home because Thanksgiving is canceled. It's, but it's not all bad. Thanksgiving, unlikely, said the Prime Minister. But we can we all... Still shot at Christmas. Yes, we can all... I think that's the headline. <clears throat> is it not? But we still Nash- have a shot at Christmas. You take to the nation's airwaves, you bamboozle the private broadcasters into giving you free airtime. And what do you got to say? But we still have a shot at Christmas. We still got a shot! Uh, That is weak. That is some weak sauce. Right there. You know, don't worry about it. We can call them saucy nugs or trash. Because Thanksgiving, you don't, you don't want to go. Thanksgiving, it's too early in Canada anyway. It is. It, the time is wrong. Uh, there's not near enough football on TV. It's just, it, you know what? We're doing you a favor. It. We're doing you a favor. And then there are those of us who, you know, when we think about Christmas and you think, well, we still got a shot at Christmas... There's two ways of thinking about having a shot at Christmas. We got a shot at having to get together with your family and have those awkward conversations uh, and have to look uh, just absolutely thrilled when you open that weird knickknack that you know your aunt got you. Or we have a shot at canceling all of that altogether. We got a shot at that. All I'm hearing is crickets. <laughs> That is uh, Doug Ford yesterday. All I'm hearing is crickets. That was uh, him complaining about his co- him complaining about Health Canada. You know, and <laughs> uh, and we're gonna get to Doug Ford and uh, what he's got to say today in his question and answer. But yeah, yesterday, as he's going off at Health Canada, talking about crickets, keep in mind. This is this is a government that said a long time ago, months ago, we got a plan. Oh yeah, we have oh the plan, the fall plan, we got it right here. I got it. Oh, it's so here. I got it in my pocket. I'll let you see when we need to unveil it. I got it right here. And then the numbers start going up, the lines get longer, and in the house the opposition says, Hey, uh, how about that plan? And the government says, Stand by, it is imminent. We're gonna release the plan any moment now. And then a day or so goes by, and I say, what, where's your plan? And I say, we're going to release it tomorrow. Tomorrow the plan comes. And then what happens? When the day comes, they outline it. You know, here's some six priorities that we have. We'll get back to you with the details on the plan later. What? It's like the government is saying you just can't handle it. The truth. That's what Doug Ford is saying, dude. You want the truth? You can't handle the truth. You can't no handle No truth it. handler, you. No. Bah, 
I deride your truth-handling abilities. Uh, all, all, all right, Sideshow Bob, settle down. And then yesterday, what did the government announce? The government comes out, Doug Ford says, up to 60 pharmacies, as of Friday, will be able to begin testing, asymptomatic testing. And then we do some calling around because, you know, that's what you do in the journalism business. You call around, and what do we find? The vast majority of those pharmacies that are listed on the government release, I don't know what you're talking about. Or we're not going to be ready. Or we don't have the training for that. Like that was the actual answer from the pharmacies on the government release. Talk about rich. Talk about ironic. That is a truth that I can't handle right there. I can't handle it. I guess there's only one thing to do, and that is to sit back and just hope that we have a shot that Christmas is canceled too. But we still have a shot at Christmas. Chaos continues to reign in the school system. If you have kids in school, you are likely doing exactly what I'm doing, and that's keeping your fingers crossed that they don't close the schools down. Because, you know, for those of us that need either A, the child care, or we're just in a situation where it's just so much better off for the kids to be in class, it's important that they remain there. I got the email yesterday from my daughter's high school, and guess what? There is a confirmed case, a student case in the high school, but then it goes on to say that this person was only there one day and was not tra transmittable at the time, and everything's just fine. All of that raises concern, obviously, from all of us for parents. You think, well, am I doing the right thing? You know, should I be opting for that virtual option instead? Is that the better thing to do for my family? And for many people, that is not an option either. It's got to be the virtual learning. And parents in Toronto especially are struggling now because in some cases that virtual learning is not even underway yet. And here we are in late September. Jackie is a parent of two kids in the TDSB, joins me on the line. Hi, Jackie. How are you today? Hi, good afternoon. Thank you for taking my call. Are you, I, I understand you're a little frustrated. What's going on with your son? So, yes, we opted to have my son stay at home for virtual learning. Um, we thought we were doing the right thing when we signed him over onto virtual learning, only to find out as of today's date being Thursday, the 24th of September, we still have not been assigned a teacher. Um, we've received emails from the board. Um, and the emails indicated that if we hadn't received a teacher by today, that we should call um, the number. Uh, however, each time I've called that number, I get no contact. I've left messages. I've emailed. I've never had a person call me back. So at this point, my son has been sitting home in grade 10 and has no education, and I'm concerned about the delay. The TDSB had said previously that even if there was no teacher, there would be some kind of self-directed learning that kids could take part in. Have you been able to access that? We have not. We've received no link whatsoever from anyone. Uh, we, my son goes on, including myself, daily to see if there's any new updates. And we, as of almost 30 minutes ago, we still have no new information. This has got to be so frustrating, not only for your son, but for yourself as well. 
yeah, I'm 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 really concerned. Um, I'm frustrated. I'm concerned. And had I had I thought for a moment that this was the position we were going to be placed in, in in you know opting to put him into virtual learning, I would never have did this. I would have put him in school. Uh, but now I'm in the situation where I've contacted his school and he cannot go in person anymore. It's too late. So here we are sitting at home with no school. That's so funny. Your perspective is, it is I think, 180 degrees away from what I think a lot of parents are thinking about. And then they're thinking, mm, I, should have, I should have picked that virtual option. But your perspective is completely different, that it's just, it's not working. I, let me ask you about what happened in, in the spring. Uh, I have uh, a child in grade 10 as well. And whatever, you know, remote learning or whatever they called it in the spring, that wasn't any remote learning at all. What was your experience? I have two different children, and I can tell you that it it was all dependent upon the teacher. Um, So some teachers were good. Other teachers were just non-existent. They just weren't present at all. So uh, each day it it changed. Uh, It varied as to the degree of homework that was given to them, and it was just hit and miss each day. There was no consistency at all. How much of it fell to you? I, I, I found as parents, you know, that it was like it was incumbent upon us, you know, to try and police, it, you know, somebody in grade nine and say, you know, do your homework. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, on top of working a full time do- job, shift work, having to deal with two children and household, and then becoming the, you know, the new teacher also. So very challenging. Yeah. And I, my concern and this was my concern going into the school year with looking at that virtual option is I thought if that's the same thing, then we can't do that. We, we have to have in class because if it's the same as it was in the spring, that was a farce. Exactly. And and that's the way I looked at it, that I was, I wasn't impressed at all with the initial virtual learning that was given to them. When this all pandemic began, Uh, I thought that the government would have kind of made improvements um, and I'm really disappointed that things are actually worse uh, virtually than in person. And the, the concerning part is that now I can't even get them back into school. Yeah, I think your your next opportunity, I believe, is Thanksgiving. And you have an opportunity Correct. at that point to put them back in in person? And I've already signed them up for that. So you've already opted for that. Um, what do you do? What do you do in the meantime? I mean, I think a lot of parents are looking around trying to find tutors, trying to find any kind, you know, a learning pod, anything. Yeah, um, I, I've been looking into tutors. Uh, I just, uh, again, I, I'd have to look into the curriculum as to what they're actually learning. Um, it's frustrating because the number that you provided by the school board, um, at one point I waited for 51 minutes on hold uh, and then had said, okay, I've had enough. I can't keep waiting. I've sent emails. Um, I, I call daily, multiple times a day. I'm just becoming very frustrated. And um, I know my son, too, is frustrated. He wants to get back to the learning. Uh, he would have two courses this quadmester, is that right? Correct. And we're still waiting for, again, for a teacher to reach out to tell him that I'm your teacher. This is the link. This is your timetable. We've received nothing. Jackie's so frustrating, and you are not alone. I appreciate you telling the story today here on the program. Thank you very much for uh, taking my call. That is Jackie, who has uh, two kids in the TDSB in the east part of the city, uh, reflecting, I think, a a lot of parental concern, uh, a lot of parents very upset uh, and worried. You know, obviously you're worried with the numbers and where they are. And, you know, we were worried in August about the class sizes and...
I, I, you know, I give a lot of latitude to the schools themselves and to the principals and the organizers and the school boards. I can't imagine the logistical lift of, you know, a moving target like they had going into classes back where it's like, you know, okay, we think we're going to get X number of kids in class and Y number of kids online. And then that move, that number just continues to move. And it's like, you know, it's quicksand and the number keeps moving more and more over to the Y category. But I, I can, my, my question is, is, I mean, where was the gaming of this? Where was the, you know, July, let's all sit down and do, you know, best case, worst case scenario. Because it has a feeling like maybe that wasn't in place. Because if it was in place, if you did have a worst case, worst case scenario, which is they shut down schools and everybody has to learn virtually, that's your worst case. So if that's your worst case scenario, do you not already in, have in place some kind of mechanism, some kind of mechanism that says we're going to need this many teachers to be able to deliver that kind of education? And so then once we get into September and it's like, okay, well, it's not the worst case scenario, but it's two thirds of the worst case scenario then why is it that then we have this lag time of being able to find teachers? What, you know, could we not have pulled the pin on that a little bit sooner? Have said to these other teachers that we're hiring, look, we need you on the standby. You know, standby, you know, potentially a job coming. I don't know if you know any supply teachers out there or people trying to get teaching jobs. There's a lot of them. And they're ready to go. It would not have taken much to put that in place, that kind of plan. You know, we say this over and over again here at the uh, television station in the newsroom. It's just kind of, you know, become this ongoing running joke around here. Whenever, whenever a problem about testing and the second wave comes up or a problem about schools, and we just kind of look at each other and say, jeez. If only we'd known this was going to happen. <laughs> it just, again, it seems like we are a step behind. Even again, the big news today, which is a change in the testing. If you haven't heard yet, if you're just joining us, the government today said asymptomatic people don't go for tests. In the lineups now, I want to want to be clear about that. It's not all asymptomatic people. There are qualifications. You could be asymptomatic, and you know your COVID alert goes off on your phone, like you don't feel anything. But if your, you know, if your phone goes off and it says you've been in close contact, then yeah, then go get a then go get a test. But you know the uh, you know I'm I'm having a birthday party this weekend. All thirty of us are getting together. Let's all go get tests. I mean. That's out the window. I mean, first of all, you know, who's saying yes to that? Well, I got eight eight hours to stand in a line. But that's not really the problem, is it? Where we have the problem is with this wide open symptom list, especially for kids. Yeah, I say to you, my son, you know, like, whatever you do, don't sneeze in class. Whatever you do, if... 
if the teacher asks you at any point, are you okay? Like, I am, man, I'm right as rain. I have never felt better. That is your answer every single time. Because the list is so long, runny nose, and I've told this story before. I have an acquaintance that this precise thing happened to her. Her son is in elementary class, in elementary school, sneezes. Teacher says, is your nose running? Kid says, yes. Because you know what happens when you sneeze sometimes? Your nose runs. And next thing you know, that kid and that kid's brother sent home. You got to be kidding me. And mom is in a seven-hour lineup. And it is not like this is suddenly news. It shouldn't be. I tell you what I do. It, every day we have uh, what's called an editorial meeting. We, we do it remotely for the TV side. I have this other job where I do the uh, TV show here on Global. So every morning we all get together on the call and we discuss what are we going to do? Like, what do we think we're going to cover that day? Where are we going to put our resources? You know, the television cameras. Where are we going to place the live truck for 5.30 that night? And day after day after day, I'm on the call saying, we need a live shot at a lineup tonight. 5.30, news comes on. I want to see what's happening at these testing centers. And that has been going on for weeks. I'm at a point now when I say that, and I say, look, I know we've done this now for like, you know, eight days straight, but we need to do it again. And after all of that, it seems from the premier, from what he said today, that it was like, well, last night, well, I asked some, I asked some hard questions of the medical officials, and now we have this change. A step behind. Time and time again. I guess the only really good news from all of it is that we still have a shot at Christmas. Right, Justin? We still have a shot at Christmas. (laughs) Thank you. Took him a little while to, you know, come out of the cottage and deliver that line. Still got a shot at Christmas. That's the podcast for today. Don't forget to catch The Alan Carter Show weekdays starting at noon.